Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You are listening to the Qadam podcast, the series on the tafsir of Surah Yusuf. The meaning, the read-through, and the breakdown, and the commentary of the 12th chapter of the Qur'an here at Qadam Institute podcast. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Welcome home, everybody. It's good to see you. Alhamdulillah. Welcome back to our uh, sessions of heart work where we're exploring uh, the story of Prophet Yusuf in the chapter of Yusuf, Surah Yusuf. Uh, I wanted to begin tonight, uh, first and foremost, uh, by asking everybody, because we, we, we're approaching the, the actual conclusion of the surah, which I know is kind of sad, uh, but before we get started, because we're reaching a very critical point tonight, what were some of the things last week that we discussed, some points that you heard or thought of that you want to share, catch us up a little bit, what were some of the things? Anybody? I could break us up into small groups and do that, but that would take a lot of time. You guys were all just talking nonstop. We're talking about dinner plans, where you're going to go after this. What did we talk about last week? Anybody? Everyone back in coffee is like, all right, whatever, we're going to start ordering. Yeah. Yes, so the brothers of Yusuf having dignity, right, as children of Prophet Yaqub. Where did you get this from? Where did we talk about this from? Last week. Which ayah? It was 88. Yeah. So, how they speak about Allah. Remember when they talked about their difficulty? Like, how many of us have ever experienced difficulty in life? Raise your hand if you had a tough moment. Okay. How did you talk about Allah during that moment? How did you feel about Allah during that moment? Right? Sometimes we're not... We're not foolish enough to utter the things, that's good. But even internally, we might feel something and we should, we should always temper how we feel. So what did they say? They, when they described the difficulty that they were in, they said what? They ta- when they talked about Allah, they said, Masana wa ahlana ad-dur. That we have been lightly and very barely gently grazed, like touched, by difficulty. And if you compare that to their actual life, they went through a lot. They went through a lot. But when speaking about their misfortune, when speaking about their trials, they used a word, right? Masa in Arabic means to lightly touch something. They used a verb that did not attribute this to Allah. Why? Out of respect, out of reverence. Also, another thing is, oftentimes, some of the difficulties that we experience in life, or at least part of it, we have to admit, is somewhat self-inflicted, right? We have trials, that's true, but then there's also how you respond to trials, and that can either make the trial better or worse. So if a person has a trial, right, the, the famous English uh, adage, right, that a person can take lemons and they can make lemonade. In order to have nice lemonade, you have to have lemons. Lemons are sour by default. So how you respond to the situation is more than 50% of the situation itself, okay? But these are people, these are young men, that were the sons of a prophet. And so these kinds of things, the, the lesson that we took was that they had this dignity, but I also want everyone to realize something. They learned this from their dad and from their mom. They learned this at home. This is something that they took in home, from home, and then it's now it's, it's being recreated, it's being replicated where? Out in the world, in society. Your spiritual lessons, the things that you learn, so much of it was learned in the home. Who you are, your identity, how you connect with Allah was almost downloaded within you by the people that raised you and those that you spent time around. So don't ever discount that. Don't ever discount that. Many of us probably have deep-seated lessons in our hearts that our parents, or even if you're lucky, your grandparents may have taught you. And when you're younger, you tend to discount those moments. But when you're older, you wish you spent better time with those moments. Okay, very good. What else? What else did we talk about last week? Anyone else? No? Yes? No? Everyone's like, I don't know. Quran. Okay. We talked about Yusuf salam keeping his cool. He was, he was keeping his cool in a moment of difficulty. He's seeing all this unfold. And instead of just slamming on these guys, what did he do? He held himself together. And he waited for the moment to where he could unfold this entire strategic plan that would have taught them a lesson, but also reunited his family, okay? So keeping your cool in times of anger. 
We also spoke about how when Yusuf was speaking about his difficulties, if you look here in ayah number 90, what does he describe? He says, I am Yusuf and this is my brother. Allah has been gracious to us. Allah, what's that? It's not working? Oh. Allah has been gracious to us. Okay? How does he, what does he mean by that? Didn't he go to prison? Wasn't he thrown in a well? Wasn't he left for dead? Wasn't he falsely accused? Didn't he go through like famine? Didn't he have to lead a country through an economic crisis? That's basically what it was, right? You know how like right now there's like an economic crisis that's brewing in America, right? The cost of living is getting higher. In order to buy a home, you have to make a crazy amount. Grocery prices are going up. Have you guys noticed it? Even boba went up. <laughs> Everything's going up, right? SubhanAllah, Allah make it easy. Put barakah on our wealth. People are being laid off. May Allah Ta'ala make it easy for them and give them even better uh, uh, rizq than previously. This is, this is not a good time, especially if you're a leader. Who does everyone look to when times are tough? The, pre- the people in charge. And it doesn't matter what you do, if you're in charge, you can't easily win. It's difficult, right? Being a leader is like a lose-lose situation. You're never really the hero. You're either not good enough or you're a failure, Right? So now look at Yusuf alayhi salam. He's not only, right, not only is he a person that went through all of that in his childhood, but even as an adult, being in charge of a country that was going, being the financial minister of a country that was going through difficulty and trying to manage that. Because he knew based on the dream what was going to happen. Right? When the years were good and he was stockpiling all those crops, what do you think people said to him? Why are you acting like this? Why are you being paranoid? Look at how plentiful things are. Right? We're fine. And then when people need their provision during the thin years, the skinny years, what are they going to say? Why are you being so stingy? Give us more. Come on, we need more. We need more. So he's in that position, but he still describes that Allah was good to him. And this is a level of of, of iman that is so difficult. To take every moment that you have in your life, good or bad, and to be able to make that fuel to connect closer to Allah is so challenging. But the real ones, the real ones can do it. Those people that truly appreciate Allah in every moment can do it. The Prophet ﷺ, he said what? He said, the believer is so unique. The believer is so unique. When times are good, they're grateful. When times are bad, they're patient. And he said, this is something that only believers have, is this perspective on how to handle a situation. Right? I had a friend one time that lived in Mecca, and he was studying there. And his car, so he, uh, uh, the people who live in Mecca, the students from America who go study overseas, oftentimes they get the, 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 the previous generation of American students will like sell their cars to them. So these guys are graduating and these new guys are coming in as freshmen. So the freshmen come in and they'll buy the car from the guy who's graduating, right? So this guy, one of my friends, he was buying a car from one of the graduating seniors and that car might have been older than his parents. Like air conditioning, no way. Radio, no way. Like there was a hole where the radio was supposed to be. You could see the road through his car, okay? It was a really tough ride. It was a really tough ride. But he had a loving name for his car, Aziza, right? And, and so he took care of it as much as he could, but it would break down, right? And so one time we were driving together. I was there for Umrah. We were driving together. He took me out to eat. And we were supposed to go somewhere and we picked up some food, and then we're coming back, and we're going to bring some food for the brothers or whatever, right? We went to go make the run. And as we're coming back, what do you think happens to Aziza? She broke down, poor lady, man. So it broke down, we couldn't handle, you know, we're sitting there on the side of the road. And they don't have triple A in Saudi, triple Aleph, they don't have that. <laughs> so you're just sitting there, right? You're sitting there. And, and, and there's a big culture in the Middle East of like people having these roadside barbecues. So everyone who drove past us, it's not like America where if you see a car broke down, you're kind of like, oh, do you need help? Everyone's like, yeah, keep grilling, like barbecue it up. We're like, no, we need help, we need help. So we're sitting there and we're calling some people and no one there has cars. Everyone that we know is either visiting or they're a student. So we're trying to get a cab to come out. It's very dark. And we, we, uh, you know, we're sitting there and then he's like, you want to see something cool? And I was like, what? And he goes, look up. And I look at the sky and wallahi, it was like the most pitch black dark sky I've ever seen in my life and then all of a sudden when your eyes adjust you suddenly start to see the sparkling like shimmer of stars and it looks like the stars are like in the billions 
because the sky is so dark. We don't get that here. In Dallas, we get nice sunsets, and that's about it. You don't get the dark. You've got to go out in the middle of nowhere to see this stuff. And he goes, look up. And I looked, and I said, subhanAllah. And then I looked back down, and he already opened the food, and we're having a mixed grill. We went on like a date, basically. He took me on a date. <laughs> and we're sitting there, and we're eating, and then finally we got a cab to come and pick us up. And the guy was asking us what happened. We told him what happened. He said, sounds like you guys had a nice time. And I thought to myself, this whole good time of like, you know, enjoying the creation of Allah, looking at the stars, being like astounded, then eating this delicious mixed grill that now for the rest of the guys, we were like packaging it back up. We're like moving pieces around, breaking them in half, you know. I said, it all started with what? A car that broke down. So the believer is somebody that's able to take a bad situation and make it better. Always carry that optimism. Always reflect on that, okay? So this is what Yusuf referred to. And he says that whoever is mindful of Allah and patient, certainly Allah never discounts the reward of the good doer. You might not think that you were perfect when you were patient, because when you're patient, you're not, you're not, being patient generally is not very, it's not very pretty. It's not beautiful. It's not perfect, right? When you're patient, you're like, you're just trying to stay above water. And so after the fact, when you were patient, you tried, but you weren't as good at it. Sometimes you look and you're like, man, I could have done better. I should have done better. Allah will never, ever discount your reward as long as you tried. Absolutely. Then they respond. And this is where we're going to continue today. They respond and they said, we swear by Allah that he has preferred you over us. He has preferred you, the one who went through all that trial and tribulation, and you are better than us. They're admitting it now. This is the first time that these guys are acknowledging that this is the reality of their relationship with their brother, that he's in fact better than them. It took them a long time, huh? Three decades. Three de- this is something that, was, that, that they knew in their hearts earlier on that Yusuf had something special, and now they're saying it. But why are they saying it now? Why do you guys think they're saying it now? What changed between then and now that's allowing them to say this statement, that you're, you're better than us? Not Humayun. Humayun's ready. <laughs> Anyone else? What, what, what do you think? No, I love it, mashallah. What do you think? Yeah, let's share. Position, position of power. Okay, good. Very good. What do you mean position of power? Now he's a leader. Mm. Yeah. When, when someone's in a position of power, how they act is ultimately indicative of who they really are. Like when you're in charge, okay, if you're not in charge, you can't do anything. So it doesn't matter how you feel, your hands are tied. You're like, I can't do anything, right? If I were in charge, but you're not. So all of these aspirations are all what? Speculation at best. But when a person is in charge and they demonstrate that mercy, then that's a real testament to who they really are. That's why Allah is what? The most merciful. Why? Because He's the most in charge. Allah is the most in charge, the most powerful, But yet, when you and I make mistakes, he doesn't strike us down with a lightning bolt at that moment. Despite what you may have learned in Sunday school, maybe. Right? Possibly. No offense, but maybe. So Allah is the most in charge, but he's the most merciful. Because he has every right. He has every right to hold people to account. To take away their eyesight when they look at haram. Allah has every, every account. He has every right to do that. Allah has every right to take away people's hearing when they listen to things that are haram. Every right. If a person says something, how many of us have ever backbit somebody before or said something that's inappropriate? He has every right to take away those faculties. But he doesn't. Because Allah Ta'ala, as much as he's in power and control, he's also the one that wants to give more chances. More and more and more. Right? Even if you accidentally went and saw Oppenheimer. He wants to give you more chances. Right? Even if you went and saw Barbie. La hawla wa la quwata illa billah. Right? We can talk about that later. The fiqh of movies. The first rule is watch them at home so you have a fast forward button. The next rule is don't watch them. Okay, may Allah help us. Okay, so, I said us for a reason. Okay, so, if you see me at a theater, no pictures. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's just the popcorn. Okay, 
By Allah, Allah has truly preferred you over us because he's in power. What else? What else do you think is special here that they're realizing? Come on, let's reflect. Reflect on the Quran. You can do this. What else, what else do you think they're realizing? So he's in power and he's not. I mean, he, he easily could have just dropped the hammer on these guys and they're done. That's good. That's a very good reflection, mashallah. What else? Yeah. Subhanallah. Like even though they hurt his dad so much and he wasn't there anymore, the dad didn't change. Like what their hypothesis was incorrect. That oh, if we get rid of him, then our father will love us more. Well, that was wrong. Okay, so now they're realizing that maybe there was something actually about you. It wasn't us. It wasn't our dad. We, we shouldn't have blamed him. We shouldn't have blamed you. We should have blamed ourselves. You actually were better than us. Maybe you treated dad better than we did. And that's why he had this preference to you. Very good. What else? Yeah. Mm. SubhanAllah. Despite them literally throwing him in the bottom of the well, leaving him for dead. And they don't even know everything he's been through, by the way. They're just going off that instance. He still ended up in a better position than them. SubhanAllah. It's easy for a person to think that somebody is doomed or destined to fail. But Allah Ta'ala is the one who controls your success. Many people in life try to abandon Allah on the path to success. It's almost like a fork in the road. It's either Allah or my success. Whatever it might be. You know, it, it might come down to the most... It could be something very, very heavy. Like where you're going to work. Right? I had a brother that came to me and said he got a really good offer from a company. And he was like already in mini celebration mode. I was like, mashallah, man, that's great. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. Allah bless you. And every time I said that, Allah bless you, he's like, yeah. And I was like, what's wrong? And he said, it's DraftKings, which is a gambling website. He hadn't accepted it. Put your judgment goggles down. He hadn't accepted it yet. And he came to me and he said, you know, is it okay? And this and that. So we had a conversation, right? Because that's how... That's how this stuff should work. We talked. I didn't just slap him in the face with the haram book. Right? I called Sheikh Abdel Nasser. I said, let, 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 me, let me go through it with my teacher. Let's talk about it and see. We went through some points. Okay, what department are you in, et cetera, et cetera. And again, there's different layers to this stuff. It's not always that simple. But we did determine by the end of the conversation that it was probably best for him not to take any provision or any money from these people and not to feed himself and his family with it. And at the end of it, he was somebody that he realized that this was correct, and he went ahead and declined, even though the offer was significantly better. We're talking almost double of what he was currently making. And he turned it down for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Later on, like years later, I think five years later or whatever, I meet him again. He's, he was in Boston, by the way, Boston. And he became the manager of a major uh, uh, health, uh, tech health startup. And then he, they blew up, and mashallah, he went from making whatever he was making, to now he's, uh, you know, he could sustain roots probably single-handedly. Maybe he should. Let me call him, right? <laughs> but the point being is that he chose Allah and Allah rewarded him. And by the way, I know that everyone's like, great story, publish it. No, these things happen time and time again. They're happening to you if you opened up your eyes and your heart and you looked for them. You open up your eyes and your heart. When you choose Allah over yourself, you will find yourself being rewarded by Allah for that loyalty and that patience. And that's what they witnessed with Yusuf That we literally tried our best to make you fail and you couldn't fail. We tried our best. We put you in a well. And that you became the, the king that is taking care of us. And in a moment when we were supposed to take care of you, we failed and now you're taking care of us. Right? This is how Allah Ta'ala decides by those who are truly closest to Him. And then as a result of that, they realize that they are in fact sinful. That they were sinful. Then Yusuf responds, he says, قَالَ لَا تَثْرِبْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْيَوْمِ يَغْفِرُ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ وَهُوَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّاحِمِينَ There is no blame on you today. We're good. We're good. Right? Because the number one thing that a person wants to hear when they say, I made a mistake, and this is very important training for everybody. When somebody makes a mistake in life, what they need to hear in that moment is, I appreciate you admitting it, and we're going to be good. Like, we're going to be okay. Even if you're not, like, really okay in that moment, you need to be, get good at forecasting. Right? It's okay. We'll, I'll, we'll, we'll get better. We'll get better. Don't double down and say, yeah, 
you should apologize. And what about this? And what about that? And just keep going through. Because in those moments, you're, you're, you're not allowing the person to, and you're not rewarding their humility. You're not rewarding their moment of, of sacrifice. They're sacrificing their ego right in front of you. They're putting it on the table. Chop, chop. I'm done. My ego is dead. I made a mistake. If a person doubles down and pours salt all over that wound, you're actually teaching them never to apologize again. Right? We need to learn how to reward a person seeking forgiveness from us instead of what? Punishing them for it. Because that's how you encourage people to do it more frequently and more often. Many of us have done that. We've asked for forgiveness and we've been made to feel regretful. Why did I even open my mouth? Why did I even do this? Right? Make sure that you become the person. It's okay if you want to make sure the lesson sticks. I get that. There's a way to do it. You can walk that fine line. You can say, I forgive you and I love you. Put your armor on that person and you say, it, it did really hurt me, but your apology made me feel better. Khalas. 30 seconds and now the relationship is getting back to where it should be. Where it should be from there. Okay? So he says, there is no blame on you today. And then he seeks forgiveness for them. And he says, Allah Ta'ala is the one who is the most merciful. And we learned about this, this spiritual reciprocity, this equation, that if you want Allah to forgive you, you got to forgive. If you want Allah to give you, you have to give. If you want Allah to be patient with you, you have to be patient. Don't expect the same thing from Allah that you can't give to people. This is the, the lesson that we learned. We talked about it last week with some of the ayat and hadith. Okay, all right, now let's go here. He says what? Go with this shirt of mine and toss it over the face of my father. As a result of that, what? Yati basira. He will regain his full function of his eyesight. Go and take this shirt. The shirt has a couple appearances in the story, huh? When does the shirt, a shirt of Yusuf, first appear? Yeah, so in the very beginning, when his brothers brought a shirt home, and they put wolf's blood on it, and they said, this is the blood of Yusuf, okay? When's the next time the shirt appears? Yeah, very good. When he's trying to escape from the wife of the Aziz, who is trying to go after him, and as a result of that moment, what happens? She tears it, okay? And then now the shirt is appearing again. He says, take my shirt, take my shirt, my, cloak, my, my shawl that I'm wearing, and put it over the face of my father. What is the significance of this shirt? Like he could have probably done this with multiple different items, but this shirt seems to have a recurring theme in the story. The scholars of Tafsir actually bring this up and they say something really interesting. Many people consider certain things in life to be holy, okay, sacred. There are some things that are inherently sacred, okay, the Kaaba, for example, is one of them. The Kaaba is sacred, that's why when you go there, you make Umrah, may Allah invite us all, you see people going and they're doing what? They're leaning on the Kaaba. They go and they, they kind of rest on it, they lean on it, they silently say their prayers next to it. Because the Kaaba is Allah's house on earth, it is his home, it is the house that Ibrahim built, and it has sanctity in it, in its essence. Okay? Zamzam is another thing that is sacred. Who got Zamzam ever in their life before? Anybody? Man, you need better friends. All right, Zamzam, okay, a couple things about Zamzam. Let me give you some Zamzam hacks. Number one, the hadith of the Prophet said, Zamzam lima shuribalahu. That the water of Zamzam is for whatever you drink it for. What does this mean? It means, the muhaddithin, the, the they say, that Zamzam is like a dua catalyst. That if you have something that you want to do or pray for, taking Zamzam as a means of purification, as a means of drawing near to Allah, it will be a, and it's filled with barakah, it will be a catalyst for you. Another cool thing about Zamzam, the scholars say, this is a hack, you guys ready? Zamzam, when you add it to non-Zamzam, makes everything Zamzam. There we go. Right? So Zamzam, if you take Zamzam and you pour a couple of ounces, for example, or an ounce of Zamzam in a bottle of like Fiji or whatever, Ice Mountain, it now became Zamzam Ice Mountain. Right? It became Zamzam. Why? Because of the barakah in it. And they have hadith from the Prophet where they extrapolate this ruling, okay? Zamzam has barakah in it. There are a lot of things that have barakah in them. This shirt seems to be something that has barakah in it because of this moment. However, it is something that Allah Ta'ala took. The Kaaba, 
in it. Zamzam in it. But this shirt is something that Allah Ta'ala took that was mundane, that was normal, and He made it special. In the beginning of the story, it was actually a sign of Yaqub's pain. In the middle of the story, it was a sign of Yusuf's pain, but at the same time a sign of his justice, very interestingly. And at the end now, it's going to be a sign of his relief. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can take the trash of your life and turn it into treasure. He can, t- he can do that. Allah ta'ala can take the very thing that is something that is a symbol of pain, of difficulty. He can. Or a symbol of trial. And He can, by His will and His grace, make it something that actually causes a person relief. Right? And this is all understanding how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works. When you give, when you give up something, I'll give you an example of this, okay? There are some things in life that you thought you would never love doing. Some things that are reli- like have to do with religion, okay? There are sisters that I speak to who put on the hijab and they're like, I never wanted to do it. I thought it was like the hardest thing ever, worst thing ever, never wanted to. Then they make that decision to do it. And then afterwards, they come to me after a few weeks and they say, I can't even imagine not doing it, right? Now that's not me telling everybody in this room, right, brothers, sisters, headscarves next week. Inshallah khair, not the brothers of course, right? There's a different version. But the point is, you can go from hating something to loving it very quickly if Allah Ta'ala changes something in your heart, right? For many of us, that was prayer. How many of us grew up being told to pray by our parents and had very creative solutions how many of us made prayer without wudu many times? Or sat on our bed screaming, Allahu Akbar, Sami Allahu Liman Hamidah. Right? So that the audio could go through. Yeah. It's interesting, right? When you're, a, when you're a kid, prayer can get in the way of so many things you want to do. And so it becomes a burden. You don't like it as much. You're like, ugh. Or, you know, now I see it with my own kids, man. Like after prayer, I'll sit there and we'll make dua together. I'll make dua and Musa wants to play a game or he wants to do something and I'm making dua and he's like getting up and he's like got his hands like, you know and I'm like, Musa, just sit, make dua for 30 seconds and he's like, ugh, I want to get up, why are you taking so long? I'm trying to explain to him, man, I'm making dua for you <laughs> you know, like relax but then you get older, right, and it's not very long, right from age 10 to age 20 to age 30, it's really not that long and that thing that you disdain, that burden that weighed you down so much, now becomes a source of your relief. Like prayer is the point where you would feel rest by it. What did the Prophet ﷺ used to say? Give us rest with it. Call the adhan. Give us rest. We're done working. We're done. We want to just rest with salah. After prayer, right, in Ramadan, you sit there and you make dua, and your heart finds tranquility in the moment where your hands are open. You almost regret, you almost feel bad when you have to finish your du'a because time is running out. But just a few years prior to that, it was something that you didn't like. Right? Allah Ta'ala can change something that in your life was something so difficult and so burdensome and He can make it something that you love if your heart is willing to give it a chance. If your heart is willing to give it that chance. Okay? So He says, go and take this shirt, cast it over my father's face, he will regain his sight. Then, he says, come back to me with the entire family. When the caravan departed from Egypt, their father Yaqub, he said to those around him. So the, 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 the siblings were in one area. Okay, the siblings were in one area, meaning the brothers who were there. There were some other family members around Yaqub salam. Allah now is, is, is displaying or describing the scene, right? Like you're watching a movie, a halal one. You're watching a movie. And this, the movie jumps from one place to another. So we went from Egypt back to Palestine. And now Yaqub is sitting amongst his family. And as soon as the brothers have left with the shirt of Yusuf from Egypt and they're going back to Palestine, what does Yaqub say? He says to those around him, You may think that I'm crazy, but I swear to God, inni la'ajidu riha Yusuf. I sense and I smell the, 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 the musk, like the, the air of Yusuf. I can feel it. I can feel it. Now, this is what we call like a miracle. Okay? And miracles, they do happen. Part of our aqidah as Muslims is that we believe that miracles happen. We're not people that are so steeped in materialist science that we don't believe that something can't happen. Right? We believe that things can happen that we can't explain. Sometimes, some of us have actually witnessed these things. Right? If Allah Ta'ala has given you that favor, you've been able to see 
for example, someone do something that was inexplicable through science, that's fine. But if not, at the very minimum, you have to trust that these things can exist. And Yaqub is actually, he's actually forecasting and, and foreshadowing. He's saying to the people around him, you are going to think I'm crazy. But Yusuf, I smell him. I can sense him. There's two reasons why this is considered crazy. Number one, because they all thought that Yusuf was probably what? Dead. So they thought that Yusuf has been long gone. There's no way. But the second thing is that if he's not around us, how do you smell him? How do you sense him? So those who are around him, the Mufassirin say that it was like their cousins and like the grandchildren. They all said back to their uh, uh, grandfather or their relative, we swear by Allah that you are definitely not there. Like you're not all there. This is something in your imagination. You're making this up. You're absolutely making this up. But what happens? When the brother returns, Allah Ta'ala calls him, Ja'a al-Bashiru. He's the one of good news. When he arrives, he casts the shirt over Yaqub's face. And what happened? His sight returned back to him. Yaqub then says in that moment, Qala, Alam aqul lakum inni a'lamu min Allahi ma la ta'lamun? He says, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you that I understood and I knew something about or from Allah that you did not know? Look at this whole scenario, okay? Yaqub is an elderly man. He's a prophet, but he's considered an elderly man. And now he's very dependent upon his children. What happens when someone loses independence and they have to rely on others is that they are oftentimes, they're discounted. Right? So if someone's taking care of someone, elderly, and that person says, I think this or I think that, you say, okay, that's great, but we're actually going to figure things out. Right? And even in popular culture, in American society in the West, if you look at like cartoons and movies, who are the characters that are seen as being the least sensical? Who? The elders, right? If you watch like a movie or like a cartoon, especially one that's geared towards Western culture, it's those that are senior that are ignored. Because they don't have much value. Because they're not productive. They're not practical. They're not able to do the things that we can do. We talked about this. How many TikToks are dedicated towards making fun of old people for needing help with their email? Or logging in, right? Everyone understood that one. They're like, oh yeah, you're right. This is all satire that's it's predicated upon mocking an entire demographic of people. But this story, subhanAllah, Yaqub demonstrates why that is nonsensical. Because Yaqub, for example, number one, demonstrated incredible patience among trial. How many of us wish we were more patient? You guys wish you were patient? How do you get more patient? What do you guys think? How do you become more patient? Is there something I can eat? Is there like AG, like athletic greens that I can drink and become more patient? Anybody? How do you become more patient? What? You practice it. You know what Allah says? Allah in the Quran says, be with those who are patient. If you want more patience, be with those who are patient. If you want more truth, Allah Ta'ala says what? Be with those who are truthful. There are some traits that you and I want, and the only way to get them is by putting ourselves in the environment where people practice it. Yaqub is an example of an elder that can display and show you patience. Young people are not known for their patience. There was once a battle in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. There was a moment where the companions were deciding whether or not they should go into battle and whether or not they should embark in this. And the Prophet ﷺ, he heard that there was some disagreement amongst them. The younger companions were the ones who were causing problems. The older companions ran to the Prophet ﷺ first and said, it wasn't us. It was the younger ones. Because why? They have a lot of they have a lot of himma, they have a lot of desire to do things and energy. They don't want to sit and listen. You should see, man. A young person comes in, Brother Murphy, I want to get married. I say, okay, inshallah. Be patient. They're like, no, I hate that. Don't hate patience. Just say, what can I do while I'm being patient that will help me get married? And I'll say, be patient. Right? There are some things that you simply don't want to hear. But as you get older, you realize it's, it's just a fact of life. It's an equation. It's a variable that is not a variable. It's a constant. You can't remove it. Right? So number one, he demonstrated patience. They brought back a shirt that was lying to their father about the death of his son. And he says what? Fasabrun jamil. 
I'm going to bear patiently. If there's one thing you can learn from Yaqub today, it's that you can bear patiently with the things that Allah Ta'ala tests you with. Number two, Yaqub had this absolute and beautiful trust in Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. That despite the fact that he had every reason to believe, for example, that Yusuf was not going to be there, he knew in his heart that there was some reason and some purpose that his son was taken away, and he believed that Allah Ta'ala would reunite them. And now you're seeing the fruition of that reuniting. It came three decades later. It wasn't right away, but you're seeing now the fruition of that. Down to the point where he was told, when he said that he sensed Yusuf, that he was not making sense. Right? Sometimes when you trust Allah, others will make you feel foolish. When you say, I trust Allah, others will make you feel foolish. Why did you not take that job? You're never going to get a better offer. But because you know in your heart that it's not the right thing for you to do Islamically, you don't do it. And people around you say, that was a really bad move. That was a really poor professional move. You should have done that. You should have. And you say, you know what? My ethics, my religion, my belief, my faith tells me otherwise. They're going to say, you're going to regret this. You're always going to have haters and naysayers. And some of them, subhanAllah, might be from your own. Um, you said it, not me. I'm not trying to start problems. Driving home, you're like, the teacher said that you're my hater. <laughs> That's not what I, but, but look at the story. Where are the, where are the naysayers here? Where are they? It's Yaqub's own children. It's his grandchildren, his nephews. They're the ones that are telling him, Dad, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? SubhanAllah. Just because someone is super close to you doesn't mean that they're always going to see the world the way that you do. Now, Yaqub didn't abandon his kids. He's like, all right, you don't, you're not with me. You're either with me or against me. He didn't say that. He's like, look, I know what I believe and you're allowed to believe what you believe. But when the time came, when things were clear and everything lined up, what did he say? As, 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 a, as a good Muslim dad would. He said what? Didn't I tell you? <laughs> Didn't I tell you? But then he attributed to Allah. Min Allah. I knew something from Allah that you did not know. So Yaqub had patience. He had optimism and hope. And at the end, he trusted what Allah Ta'ala gave him. He trusted it. Many of us, we lack these three things. We lack patience, we lack good thoughts about Allah, and we lack the trust, and then we say, why don't I have a good relationship with Allah? Well, what good relationship do you ever see without these three things? What marriage would ever be successful without patience, trust, and optimism? What friendship could exist without trust or optimism? None. Would you ever want to work at a place where you didn't trust your employer? You didn't have good optimism about them? You didn't believe in them? Of course not. So why do we expect to have a good relationship with Allah, but we don't work on these three things, right? Spend time with people who are patient, who are optimistic, who have good hope in Allah, and watch that transfer over to you. قَالُوا يَا أَبَانَا إِسْتَغْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا إِنَّا كُنَّا خَاتِئِينَ Oh, our Father, they realize now. They, it's, like, it's like hitting them wave after wave. They first admitted it to their brother, and now they're admitting it to their dad. Oh, our Father, please pray for our forgiveness. This is another sign, subhanAllah. They are children of a prophet. It's one thing to ask somebody for forgiveness, but who else do they need forgiveness from? Who else? Allah. They need Allah to forgive them. So they're asking their father, because their father already is their dad, right? Dads will always forgive you. I try to tell people this. Generally speaking, there are some exceptions, but generally, men, your parents will always forgive you, subhanAllah. It's something, I'm telling you this, right? Like behind the scenes, BTS, parenthood, and Abdurrahman Murphy's story. Like I can tell you, you will always forgive your kids, man. You will always forgive your kids. That's your kid. You know what's crazy? is like when I, see, when I see like adults, this is nuts, this is kind of weird meta for you, but when I see adults that are struggling, you know what I say to myself? You know what I say? I say, that's just someone's Musa. Like if I see an adult that I'm struggling with, like they're, and I'm like, that's somebody's Musa. I've got to be soft with that person because the parent of that person would, be, would want me to be soft with them, just like I want me to be soft with my kid. Parents had this, it's immutable, this forgiveness for their children. So he had forgiven his kids, but now their kids are saying, oh, dad, please, we know that you're forgiving us because you're dad, but can you please ask Allah to forgive us because of what we've done? They realized. 
the horrific crime that they have committed, certainly we have been sinful. He said, I will pray to my Lord for forgiveness. قال, I will pray to him for forgiveness. Why? He is the one who is forgiving and the one who has the most mercy. Why did he say sofa? In Arabic it means I will. It's like a future plan. Why did he say that? You read that and you're like, wait a minute. Why didn't he just pray for them now? If I were like, hey, make dua for me. And you're like, okay, I eventually I will. If I'm like, hey, can you make dua for me? You're like, yes, inshallah, I will at some point. That's what sofa alludes to. But you know why? The Mufassirin, amazing. You read that ayah and you're like, is their dad angry with them? Does he need time to cool off? Is he upset? No. You know why? When is the best time to make dua for somebody? Do we know when? What are some times that you've heard is a good time to pray? What's that? Yeah, qiyam. So right now they're talking to him. It's the middle of the evening. It's like, sun, it's like afternoon sunset. So they're like, dad, can you pray for us? And he goes, I will. I'll pray for you when it's the pinnacle of du'a time, which is the last third of the night. That's when I'll, I'll add you to my list. Look at how his schedule was. His schedule wasn't like, okay, I'll figure out a time. He was like, I have a daily du'a time with Allah. I will add you to my list when I'm sincerely there. How many of us have a daily du'a time? I get it. Last third of the night, not easy. Right? Unless you're one of those fitness influencers. You're doing hip mobility at four in the morning. I'm talking about if you're somebody that has a busy schedule, when can you make dua every day? You can sit with Allah every night before you go to sleep. You can sit with Allah after you've done your nighttime routine, after you've done all of that, you've prayed. You can sit on the prayer mat for just a few minutes and talk to Allah. And you go through your mind about the people in your life and you pray for them. You know, one of the signs of good friends is that they pray for each other and they don't know about it. Imagine the feeling that you have if you make dua for your friend. Oh Allah, oh Allah, allow them to get a job. Allow them to get married. Allow them to have this, this, this. And then they come to you a few weeks later like, guess what? I'm getting married. You're like, you're welcome. (laughs) Right? No, you don't say that. But imagine the joy in your heart. And then if you're close enough, if the time is right, without you taking credit, of course, you can say, man, I've actually been praying for you for that. How, how much love is going to be sparked between the hearts of two people that connect on level of du'a? Du'a, you know they have five love languages, du'a is the sixth. If you love someone, you pray for them. If you love someone, you absolutely pray for them. So he said, I will pray for you to my Lord for your forgiveness. He alone is the one that can forgive. When they entered Yusuf's presence, so now they all went back to their, to their brother's presence. And he received his parents. Here it's talking about Yaqub and his, uh, his, his wife, who is Yusuf's uh, uh, you know, stepmother. He received his parents graciously. And he said to them, Adkhulu Misra, insha'Allahu aminin. I haven't been to Egypt in a minute, but this should definitely be used all over the city. Enter Egypt in security, right? In peace. All right, it's a good uh, tourism uh, line. But the point being is that he's telling his family, that you are safe here. You are safe here. You're not going to be considered. There's nothing that you've done that's wrong. لا تثريب عليكم اليوم. Everybody here is forgiven. We're on good footing. The last thing that a person who forgives should do is ever bring up any mistake. Imagine if his brothers came back and he's like, huh, you actually listened this time. Huh. Well, good to see that you guys didn't try to kill another brother on the way. Right? I mean, it's, there's something very nefsical about the desire to put someone's face in it, right? To push them down even further. The I told you so moment. Yusuf could have easily done that. But what does he say? He says, welcome. Welcome to everybody. You are safe here. You don't have to think about anything. The Prophet ﷺ, why is this story being given to the Prophet ﷺ? Because he is being told by Allah through this ayah, there's a foreshadowing that there will come a time when you will meet the very people that tried to end your life and your response to them will have to be to give them security. And then during his life, وسلم, when he enters Mecca and he sees the very same people that tried to kill him in the battlefield. Can you imagine that? They tried to kill him in the battlefield. I mean, we cut ties for things much less serious. 
We cut ties for things much less important. The Prophet ﷺ is sitting there a few feet away from Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan tried to kill him numerous times, tortured his friends and family, and he's sitting there. Later on in Medina, Khalid bin Walid, Amr bin As, are with the Prophet ﷺ with their hand in his hand, pledging allegiance to him. Who, were, who was Amr bin As? Who was Khalid? Khalid bin Walid was the architect of Uhud that caused the loss of Hamza an, of so many people the Prophet loved. And he's sitting there and he's holding their hands. Right? So the Prophet is being told this surah by Allah, revealed to him the story of his brother in prophethood. Why? To prepare him and to train him. Likewise, we are being given the surah to train us and prepare us for what? There will come a time when your family, your friends, those close to you, they might wrong you. And there will come a time after they wrong you where they will come to you and they will ask you. They will seek forgiveness from you. How you respond in those moments says so much about who you are. So much about who you are. This is why in Islam, we are not allowed to excommunicate somebody. We're not allowed to stop talking to somebody because who are we to judge somebody before Allah has judged them? Who are we to make a, a definitive judgment on somebody before Allah has judged them? We're not. So it doesn't matter who you don't like. Always leave space for forgiveness. Always. Okay? Enter Egypt in security. His father and his, uh, his parents, sorry, he raised them to the throne. Meaning he put them in this position of, 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 of uh, you know, he basically came down from his minister's position. Right? You come in and they're usually at an elevated position. He put them there. And then everybody around him fell in prostration to him. And then he looked at his father and he said, Oh my father, this was the interpretation of the, of the dream that I had. Do you remember this? This was the interpretation of the dream that I had. My Lord has made it come true. Allah makes your dreams come true, subhanAllah. My Lord has made it come true. He was truly kind to me when he freed me from the prison. Another example. How can someone who's been in prison focus on the moment of being freed more than the 12 years of being in it? How? If you were stuck on the highway for six hours with a flat tire, would you immediately, the first thought you have when you told people stories about it was, driving away was really nice. You would focus on the misery. He's focusing on the positives. And brought you off from the desert after shaitan had started this, this rivalry within us, between me and my siblings. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is latif. He is so subtle. So subtle. Allah is not loud and boastful with how He operates and how He strategizes and how He divinely decrees. He's subtle in fulfilling what He wills. Surely, He, Allah, is the all-knowing and the all-wise. This is that moment of realization, that moment of fruition. We'll stop here, inshallah, for today. Uh, some lessons from this moment that I want everyone to think about, some questions that I want you to think about, is what emotions Yusuf must have been feeling in this moment. Remember, he had this dream when he was a child. And I want you to think about this, right? When you, when you know something, but it's not going according to plan, you're experiencing nothing but doubt. You doubt yourself. Maybe people around you doubt you. Sometimes you're made to feel crazy. Sometimes you think you are crazy. And then when the moment happens and everything that you imagined is actually happening in front of you, what's the first thing you think of? What's the first thing that Yusuf thinks of? Yusuf immediately remembers Allah. Right? Many people in this moment of like climbing the mountain of doubt and getting through it and getting what they were hoping for, the first thing they think about is their own work. I worked so hard for this. I accomplished this. Yusuf's response, subhanAllah, is he says what? My Lord has made it come true. Allah is the one who gave me this. Translate this to your life. When you're in college, you're never going to think you're going to graduate. When you're single and you're trying to get married, you never think you're going to get married. When you're looking for a job, you feel like you're never going to get a job. When you're trying to have kids and it's not happening, you're like, is it ever going to happen? 
And then fast forward a few months, and you're sitting there changing diapers of your own child, just in case you were wondering. Or you're sitting there on the way to your wedding. Or you're at onboarding for your new job. Or you're graduating college, for those of you who are younger in the audience. It's so easy to let those moments slip and not, and not think to, for a second, like, this is everything I was praying for. It's, it's entirely possible that right now in this room, you are living out a du'a that you made earlier in your life. I don't doubt it. It is entirely possible that at some point in your life, you prayed to Allah for something, and right now, you are actually benefiting from that prayer. But we forget. We forget too quickly. Because we're too focused on the next thing, we forget what's right in front of us, right? And because of that, we end up losing this relationship with Allah that can be found if we only paused like Yusuf does. And he realizes in that moment, when everyone prostrates to him, he's not like, yeah! Right? Look who's in charge now. That's not what he says. He says, Dad, do you remember? 30 years ago, the dream that I told you? I told you that I saw everything bowing towards me. This is what's happening. And he said, how kind is Allah who made that dream come true? Doesn't mean there wasn't difficulty. Doesn't mean there wasn't pain. Doesn't mean there wasn't doubt. Doesn't mean that there wasn't a moment where Yusuf himself probably was wondering, when is this going to happen? Yaqub himself wondering, when is this going to happen? But at the end of it all, at the right time, as Ibn Atta'illah said, things will happen at the right time, not on your time. So, Submit to Allah Ta'ala's plan, to His timing, because surely His decree is on the right time, not on our time. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us tawfiq. We ask Allah Ta'ala to allow us to benefit from the Qur'an and the lessons that are within it. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us a reflection and an ability to reflect over His book and to come closer to Him and His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Does anyone have any questions before we break for Maghrib, inshaAllah? I have to leave a little bit quickly tonight. Uh, I apologize for that, but we'll take a few questions if anyone has any. Next week we'll have it on Menti, where you can anonymously send it up, inshallah. Uh, but for now, if anyone wants to raise their hand and ask anything, we can do it quickly. A couple questions. If not, feel free. Uh, we can dismiss, inshallah. We'll give a few seconds. Any questions? Yeah, we have one. Yes. Say it loudly so I can hear you. Louder, louder. Why did he say Rabbi instead of Rabbuna? This is good. The question, when Yaqub was asked by his sons to seek forgiveness for them, he responded by saying Rabbi instead of Rabbuna, our Lord. Uh, this, in, in, in all likelihood, Allah knows best. I can look it up in the tafsir officially, but whenever there's a distinction about plural versus singular in the possessive, it's talking about proximity that one feels to something. So, for example... Uh, 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 when Musa salam says that my Lord will guide me it doesn't mean that it's not their Lord too but he's talking about the proximity he has to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yeah so it's more of like an emotional statement than it is like a statement of exclusion he's not excluding anybody Wallahu a'lam anybody? anybody else? okay Barakallahu feekum